Can you do your best hot rod? Is up. I am Michael Royce, the creator of Suffer First, and this is the Suffer First podcast. This show is being recorded live from our Suffer First studio in Rockwall, Texas. I appreciate you being here. I need to square a few things away before we start. Suffer First is now heard on iTunes. If you're listening on iTunes, I guess you already know that. So there's that. Uh, if you're listening on SufferFirst.com, then you should know you can listen on iTunes as well. Simply type SufferFirst into the search bar in iTunes, and it'll take you right to me. I would definitely appreciate it if you would subscribe to the show and give it a five-star rating and a review. Troy Brother Bone. Uh, the show uh, schedule will be thus, and I'm not sure if I've told you this before. On the first Monday of each month, beginning on July 1st, in the year of our Lord, 2019, the greatest day of the year, every year, I'll upload a new interview episode. And the remaining balance of Mondays in that month, I'll upload a short episode that deals specifically with various aspects of the Suffer First life. Lastly, uh, visit SufferFirst.com. You can listen to the podcast there as well as download the episodes right from the website. So, that's it. Let's roll. Um, in the interest of full disclosure, I hadn't intended to do this interview, not yet, at least. Um, I had and still have a number of folks that I wanted to get recorded before doing this particular interview. Uh, but a few nights ago, I decided just to ask him uh, if he wanted to do uh, an interview, and he agreed. So it's kind of a spur-of-the-moment situation. Josiah Preer is my son, and he is my guest today. I've known you for almost 21 years now, right? Um, he, just to give you a brief description, I'm looking across the table at him, and I'll give you just a brief description of him. He definitely has my rugged good looks um, and my full head of hair. Um, he even decided to go with the full dad look by sporting a kind of a scraggly uh, goatee. We're roughly the same build um, and body type. Uh, so when you look at him, it's, it's easy to tell that he's my son. It's almost like looking in a mirror. Uh, we've often been told while standing side by side that it's virtually impossible to tell which one is Michael and which one is Josiah. Would you agree with that? <clears throat> no comment. <laughs> Well, there you go. I can see how this interview is going to go. Um, I wanted to talk to him because he's had some unique challenges in his life. And he's had to deal with some hardships that most of us don't ever have to deal with. I'm going to let him tell his own story. But suffice it to say, his mother and I, as well as his sisters, have been there to witness much of it. And I'm proud of my son for how he's handled himself. It should go without saying, and none of us should have to preface any of our stories ever with these words. Well, nobody's perfect. That's a ridiculous saying. I, it, we should all know that. Nobody's perfect. I'm not, you're not, nobody's perfect. 
if we've reached full human consciousness, we should all know that nobody's perfect and nobody makes perfect choices in our lives. Our lives just aren't perfect. I've made some stupid decisions in my life and still do at times. I'm not perfect. Neither are you. So let's just be willing to lay down the I'm not perfect card on the table and move on. In episode number two, titled What is Suffering?, Starting at the 9 minute and 20 second mark, I told you what I do not mean by suffering in the context of suffer first, glory second. I tell you that passive suffering, the suffering that happens to you, is not something that we should wish or want for anyone. It's suffering like illness, loss of life, tragedy, etc. This is not the type of suffering that I promote. But there are times when this passive type of suffering occurs and the person to whom it happens can use it to become bitter and angry and cold and they can simply lie down and let their life go by and not attempt to do anything with what they do have. Josiah has not done this. I can't look inside his head and see every thought. But based on the majority of his actions, he wants to make something of himself and his life. He's like many 20-year-old males. He hasn't figured it all out yet, and I think he would readily admit that. But he's living his life, and I think he's an incredible man. I've always been amazed by you. Doesn't mean I'm always happy, as you well know. But I've always been amazed by you. Okay, I'll stop and let you meet him, and let him tell his own story. Please welcome Josiah Preer to the Suffer First podcast. You're my boy, Blue. <laughs> You're my boy, Blue. <laughs> I appreciate you doing this, man. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. This is pretty sweet. So so I told you when we before we did this that this is going to be one of those weird interviews because I just want to talk about you, right? Your life, growing up, all those things. I mean, I can talk about you from the time you were in utero, right? <laughs> um, and I just want, I want to talk about you. Yeah, well, I mean, I only want to talk about me too. That's a fair <laughs> point. I, I'm very much like that. Again, another one of those mirror image moments. Yeah, I see it there for sure. <laughs> so I, I wrote down just a few questions, but the majority of what I wanted to do is I just wanted to find out and let everybody who's listening, and the reality is there's not a lot of people listening right now. But the hope would be is that over time, more and more people would begin to hear about the show and they would be able to find this particular recording and learn about you. By that time, you may be 30, but... <laughs> well, this interview might help. Uh, who knows? Well, there this you could go. blow up. I this mean, could be the one. This could be the one that puts me like right up in the top five that's how the internet goes right i mean right (laughs) exactly so so let me ask you this i'll start I'll, i'll start off with some softball questions and then maybe as the interview goes on it can kind of morph and grow into some other things so the story this story is not going to be always and only chronological right we're not going to start at you know, on October 9th in Michigan when it had snowed three feet on the ground and there was just nothing to do. Not that I'd remember it anyway. Right. But I'm not going to talk about that night. 
right? <laughs> let's talk. Let's move forward a little bit. All so right. just so let's do this. Where did you Where did you grow up when you first When you first had human consciousness? Where do you remember growing up? I think my first human consciousness was dancing to play that funky music <laughs> in Greenville, Texas. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, I so think how would so. you have been there? Because you know, I rem- I obviously remember Greenville. Um, you know, my my fondest memories of Greenville are when we had Chopper, the oh. dog, right? That big black mix of boxer, dire wolf, whatever that thing was, and angry, and just angry, and he would just <laughs> abuse you. You you were basically a toddler. You had just learned to walk. I mean, just you couldn't have been. T- three years old. I mean, I learned to walk and carry a bat with me when I ran outside. (laughs) I still to this day remember sitting on the couch in the living room and you walking by in front of me with one of those big wiffle ball bats, you know, the big (laughs) Fred Flintstone into the bat walking in front of me going outside and Chopper would always be in the backyard way out there and he would just charge (laughs) you from like a half of acre away and just destroy you. And you went out there with that bat and just today's the day I'm going to, you know, exert my superiority and just commence the taking a wiffle ball bat to that dog to let him know who was the boss. <laughs> yeah. He's, he wasn't alpha anymore for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Greenville is where you remember growing up. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, I I'd say so. Um, there's a bit of Forney mixed in there, um, early Forney, but Greenville, I just remember, going and playing in the ditch and running through a big old just swarm of gnats and, you know, hanging out, walking down the rocky road, building up the callus on my feet. Do you remember, do you remember much of Michigan at all? None. I don't remember it at all. Really? Yeah. You know, cause I was thinking about us talking today and I was, I was thinking through, you know, kind of your early childhood last night before I went to sleep. And I remember when we lived in this, um, a re- a really a three-story apartment building. Um, it had two stories above ground and one ground, which was, or one level, which was basement. But the basement had a walkout door. And behind us, there was this really big hill. <clears throat> and when it would snow, we would go out, and I would take you, Mariah, and Gabrielle out in the back, and we would get on or slides, sleds, whatever, and slide down that hill. Do you not remember that? You know, it's it's tough to say because I remember times. I remember specifically like one of those saucer type sleds that yeah, was like exactly. orange like a and yellow. Or a, a garbage can lid almost. Yeah, it was like orange and yellow. And I remember sliding down a hill on it. But I... I'm pretty sure that we also did that in Greenville one or two times. Yeah. Uh, the one or two times that we got snow in Texas. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I remember one of the things I remember about that, and this, this is, we'll kind of start doing like a really slow lead up into some of how, or some of what this, this interview will be about. One of the things I remember is one, it was so fun going out there and doing that with you guys. Just, we could, we could be out there, two or three hours absolutely just sliding up and down this hill. Another thing I remember is that obviously on your leg, we couldn't fit shoes on there. <laughs> yeah. Right. You couldn't fit a shoe on there. 
And I remember us having to put on like my big um, insulated socks on your foot mm-hmm. and on your leg and have to put like three or four of those on, right? Because we're trying to make up for the fact that you don't have a shoe. And then we would wrap your your foot in and leg in in trash bags to make it, you know, waterproof, waterproof right? <laughs> and and I just I remember doing that and watching you walk out through the snow like that, and I, it, it fills my heart with one with happiness, but also I still think at that point in your life you were too young. I think. I would be surprised to hear you say that you understood really what was going on. I remember being so excited about my son, but yet knowing, damn, I, that's got to be hard. But I, I'm guessing you don't remember how hard it was. Yeah, I mean, I guess I just didn't have, I mean, I can't even remember having consciousness at yeah. that point, so I wouldn't remember if it was hard or not. Yeah. But. So let's let's do this real quick. It, it might be helpful because the greater majority of people that may hear this later aren't going to know what we're talking about. So why don't you tell? Why don't you tell everybody what you were born with? Um, and but let's leave the end of the story like how it progressed and so forth. But just all right, what you were born with and what that actually meant and looked like. Help them understand that. Um. So I was born with Klippel Trenane syndrome. Um, I am not going to spell that for you. Yeah, look, try yourself. <clears throat> but essentially, it was a vascular malformation and lymphatic malformation in my lower and upper left leg um, that I was born with. It's a birth defect. Um, essentially, I had one doctor described it as looking like someone threw spaghetti into my leg and closed it up. Um, just a mess in there. And those are the vein, venous malformations. Yeah. They just, just the clumps veins, of veins. Yeah. Just clumps of veins that are their only purpose is to do nothing. Um, take up space and the lymph lymphatic fluids wouldn't pump out of my leg correctly. So it was always pretty swollen. I would wear garments to keep pressure on it. Um, it would cause me lots of pain, lots of nights, um, have very fond memories of that. Um, it was about three or four times the size of your average leg, just in uh, width, not really in height. It was a few inches longer than my right leg. It also had some effect on my bone, I believe. Um, but that's essentially just the the rundown of, of what it looked like. Well, and, and it, and it grew it, in other words, the ratio between the size of your, your affected leg and your non-affected leg, the ratio of size, it stayed the same. It stayed the same as you grew. So it was like four to one my whole life, no yeah. matter how much I grew. Yeah. So as you grew, it, it stayed that same size, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I, so I remember, I remember this, right? I remember the, um, I remember that you had a number of pockets of lymph fluid in your leg. So there would be times where there would be certain parts of your leg that would, that would swell up larger because of the lymph pockets, right? Because your lymph system in that particular uh, part of your body didn't work. It didn't pump your lymph fluid out. So it began to pool. Right. And, and so you, I remember 
Um, <laughs> it's so, you know, again, it's one of those funny, sad moments where it's funny how you and your sisters talk to one another about your leg, right? I, I remember on the inside of your, your left thigh, um, <laughs> there was this, um, this one particular pocket that started growing really large. Yeah, by the time I was like 10, it was practically the size of a football just hanging off the inside of my left leg. And what did y'all call it? That was my jiggly thing. <laughs> <laughs> my jiggly thing. <laughs> I will never forget that. That was Oh, it just stuff. never it never <laughs> ceased to amaze me how you guys could talk to each other about about that that Mom, look at Josiah's jiggly thing. It just it was insane. It was my big leg and my jiggly thing. My jiggly thing. And and this affected you basically from very high up on your left side of, of your leg all the way down. The crazy thing is, I remember when um you know how when you're born they do the the footprints? Mm-hmm. You, they you know they, they do footprints. Yeah. To look at your footprints, you'd never know it. Yeah, it's like the bottom of my foot was like the only thing. Yeah, it like went right down to the very bottom. I mean, of- I had some mad cankles. You did, dude. Or cankle. Cankle. <laughs> you had a you had a mad cankle. It, so so your mom and I had no idea what this was going to be when you were born, but I do remember <clears throat> um we had already had two kids. We had Mariah and Gabrielle. So we were somewhat familiar with what the visit to the doctors, you know, the, um, the visits to the doctors as, as, as mom's, you know, moving through her pregnancy, you know, you go in and you do ultrasounds, right? They do the ultrasound, right? That's what it's called. Yeah. Right. Ultrasound. Sure. Yeah. So we go in and we're in Michigan. We're alone, right? We have a few friends, but they're not, we're not close friends. Yeah. No family. It's just me and mom basically. And the, and the girls, and we go in for our first ultrasound. They knew right then, didn't they? Yes, mm-hmm. they did. The lady who, you know, the person who does the ultrasound is not a doctor, but they do enough of these things where they know when they're looking like, well, that doesn't look right, right? So normally when we would go do an ultrasound, you go in, mom lays down, they do the ultrasound, you listen to the heart, blah, blah, blah. You're done. Hey, go home. The doctor will call you, Right. Right. Everybody's smiling. Everybody's happy. Blah, blah, blah. Well, we finished that ultrasound and we could, we noticed that as this lady was doing her little button work and, you know, and all this, she did not look right. Something in her face didn't look right. And when she was done, she said, would you guys go sit in the hall and, and wait? That immediately started throwing up red flags. Yeah. Because at least in the two instances before you, we'd never had that happen. Right. And so we went to the hall and sat there and I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not sure how long we sat there, but it freaking felt like a day. I mean, it, and mom and I are looking at each other like, Oh shit, what is happening right now? Yeah. Right. This, this is not supposed to be happening. So the lady, um, finally comes back out and she says, okay, you guys can go home. Um, the doctor is going to call you. And who ended up calling us was a neonatal um, specialist. Neonatal. um, Neo means new, um, I believe, neo. And natal is like babies. Oh, okay. 
So baby. it's like a new baby or like a preborn, <laughs> okay. right? So like once you're out of the womb, Post-natal. you're no longer neonatal. You're right. Um, I think that's right. But that Sounds feels right, right to me. Neo, uh, it, neo, I, I'm almost positive is new. Natal is has to do with babies. So neonatal, I think, is babies in the womb, right? After that, you would go to something else. I don't know. Stop it. Just let me tell my story. Okay? Go ahead. And I'm sorry. That's what Google is for. <laughs> um, so anyway, this this doctor calls us and asks us to come into the hospital. And do you know who the Three Stooges are? Yes, I do. This guy, when I first saw him, he looked like uh, Larry. Larry's the one who's bald in the middle and has the hair that that's, like the, yeah, the crazy uh, sticking out. almost. That was this dude. So he, <laughs> he was the one who came out and visited with us, and he's the one who showed us the actual um, sonogram or whatever you call it, whatever that thing's called. And, you know, because Mom and I are sitting there watching it while it's going on. Just look at the baby. Look, there's the penis, right? Yeah, there's the head. I mean, there's the arms. There's the legs. I, I didn't. Nothing registered. And but he stopped it, and he said, "Look at this." And your left leg had waves in it, and you could tell that it was. From the picture, it looked like it was just a little bit larger than your right leg. But if you looked at your right leg, your right leg was perfectly smooth. I mean, like just like perfectly smooth. And then it was like, then it started registering like something's going on with his leg. And we don't know what, what so what is it? And and he said, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure. I think it's, um, and he they, they went through several um things that they thought it might be they thought clipo trinani weber they thought it might just be um i mean a really common one something that looks really similar to what i had is elephantitis hmm. that's that's something that people might know better yeah <clears throat> and that's really similar yeah is yeah i and to be perfectly honest i don't know i don't know anything about that but you could see the look on his face like i've not seen this before this is i'm i've now i'm an undiscovered country for me uh, for him, right? So you can only imagine what we're thinking. And so how, we don't know what to prepare for. I've got no idea. Mom has no idea. You know, we're, right. we're in panic mode. All, all we want to know, we want to know one thing. Is he okay? One thing I, I recall from the times I've heard parts of that story is that... <clears throat> Right after y'all or during that visit, he had suggested um, an abortion at some point. All right. So two things. One, it wasn't him. It wasn't him. And two, I didn't know you knew that. I did. How did you know that? I believe mom told me at some point. Really? I did not know that. Yeah. That was one of the things I was going to save for my deathbed. Really? That I was never going to tell you that. I don't mind. It didn't happen. (laughs) We went to... The radiolo- we had a meeting with the radiology team, the team that does like, it was like the head of radiology at the hospital. I mean, it just, honestly, the the thing of that is it, it surprises me that doctors are allowed to suggest that kind of thing. It was very, it was very antiseptic. It was very clean the way they presented it. And it was um, a lady um, who was, I'm almost positive 
I, I can see her face in my mind. That's mm-hmm. a, it's a face that'll never disappear. Now the four or five doctors that were standing behind her, I'm assuming were like either like interns or, you know, they were doing their fellowship in radiology or whatever. They were learning how to, yeah. Do how that. do we present this? Right. So mom's lying down on the table. Actually we went in and they did another, um, sonogram, um, in the hospital this time, not at the doctor's office. And, the lady, after she was done, she sat down and, and, and in a very clinical way, mom and I are, you know, mom's still laying on the table. I'm on this side of the table for mom. She and her uh, roadies are on the other side. And she looks at us and she, she says, okay, here's, here's what's going on in there. Here's, here's what's up. Very calm and just cool. And she said, you know, we're at the stage right now where, you know, your child is obviously going to have a disability and a handicap and, um, some life problems. Right. And, you know, we're still at a stage and a place where this doesn't have to move forward. And I remember when it, when it registered, Mm -hmm. I, I know what she just said without saying the words. And I just remember looking at her. I just remember I wasn't mad. I felt like somebody had stabbed me in my heart. Right. And I just looked at her and I said, are you, are you suggesting that, that we kill our baby Mm. because there's something wrong with his leg? I absolutely not. This is my son. That's crazy. And I just remember just breaking down and just crying, thinking that this is my son and you're, you're offering to end his life because there's something wrong with his leg. And I mean, the crazy thing I think about every time I I think about that and it's not often, but when I do is if I had been inside any other person, I mean, it's almost like it definitely would have happened. Man, I just, I and can't. I'm just, I'm thankful it didn't. I can't even imagine life without you. I, I can't mean, imagine life without you. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Anyway, I just. No, you're breathtaking. You know, <laughs> you know, I, it's funny that that whole subject is always something afar off for most people. Mm-hmm. Most people never come face to face with it, like a decision like that. And, you know, mom and I, although mom and I never faced it, like in a sense of there were, there was never a question for us, but the fact that someone said that's an option and I was like, Oh, and I think it's worth pointing out as well. That doctor was immediately sent away. I don't remember that. Mom told me she immediately asked for another doctor and just said, get this lady out of here. Yeah, I don't remember all that. I I was so stunned and heartbroken and just I that I've I've obviously never before and haven't since been so affected by um something that someone said and and quite honestly, I didn't know you knew about that. I I had no intention of telling you that. I but I mean I'm glad to know. 
that was a hard that was that was a hard 10 minutes of life right there <laughs> that was a very difficult life diff, diff, difficult part of my life so anyway i gotta move on dude i can't just sit and dwell <laughs> on that that's that that makes me insane so anyway obviously time goes on you're born and something that one of those uh, cute little things that you know all babies have you know one or two cute little things that they do right so we comes time for you to be born go to the hospital you're born out you come just beautiful but the first thing you do and you have to know this right do you remember what we told you the first thing you did when you were born i have no idea the honest. first thing you did was your left leg, you pulled it straight up to your face. <laughs> now, has there ever been a more telling thing of something you're going to do for the rest of your life as long as you have that leg of what you're going to do? Yeah, that's incredibly interesting. I did not know that. The first thing you did when, when, you, hit the, when you hit the bed or when you were in the, doc, or the doctor's arms is your leg went straight up to your face. That's really interesting that even as a child or a baby, I mean, that I had the instinct to do that Yeah, because I mean, there was a reason I did that. Yeah. Um, it helped with pain, right? Yeah, it did. Because when the lymph fluids, when I'd be standing or, or sitting or something and all of my lymph fluids in the leg were flowing all down to the bottom cause nothing was really regulating them. Right. Um, it built up pressure on the inside of my leg and I mean, it just caused discomfort and pain. And so yeah, discomfort is probably a, a really pretty nice word for what went on. Well, I mean, lots of times it wasn't necessarily pain or, or either that, or I had just gotten so used to it that it wasn't to me. Um, but yeah, so I'd have to sit down and lift my leg up and kind of let the juices flow back down. Yeah. <laughs> It's like elevating. I mean, if I, so I relate it to like when, when we've been out and we've been walking a long time, right. Or, um, um, really excessive or really, um, overly exerting oneself exercising or whatever, what most, a lot of people, their legs swell, their extremities swell. Yeah. And they become stiff, right? So like when I'm out walking a lot, I always wear compression garments, right? And one of the things I do notice though is that my 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 arms and especially my hands tend to swell. Um especially if it's really hot and I've been out there for, you know, a couple of hours doing something. And and it hurts. And that's probably when you hear me say it hurts, you probably want to laugh, but it it's certainly <laughs> uncomfortable and my hands swell and it takes me a while to rest and keep them, you know, move them and exercise them for the swelling to go down and not to hurt. But that was a constant companion of yours. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know that, and this is one of those things, man, where you just, you know, you're at a place in your life as a parent where you just kind of look at your kid who went through this and you go, man, I'm sorry. I, I just didn't understand. I didn't know. Please forgive me. Because there were a lot of times where we would be out doing something and you would need to stop, not to rest, but to elevate your leg. And you would sit down and you would you would, you Prop would it up cross your leg. Knee. Yeah. Yeah, you'd cross your leg and put it on your other knee. And, and it just didn't make sense to my brain parts what was going on. Well, I mean, it didn't make sense to me either. I, right. 
You just knew it needed to be I just elevated. Knew, oh man, it's starting to hurt. I gotta, I gotta do this. Don't know why. Don't know why this helps, but yeah, but it does. But it does. Yeah. So what? So tell me what it was like. Tell everybody what it was like. Um, as you started growing older, I mean, first off, if anybody knows you, and I know that probably most of the folks that are listening to this, if they're not family or friends, don't know this you've probably never met anyone who wasn't your friend. I mean, you're just, I mean, in all seriousness, not, and I would say this, and I would say this about anybody, if I, if I knew them, like I know you, that just nobody, nobody just dislikes you. I mean, you're, you're a super nice guy and you're, you, you easily get to know people and get close to them. So you had, a, you had several friends growing up. Um, I want to know what it was like kind of as you were growing. Well, I mean, I, I appreciate you saying that everybody that meets me likes me. Um, there, of course, are always going to be those people that just can't stand somebody else being a happy, nice person. But for the most part, yeah, you're right. I mean, I guess I... I always was pretty humbled by having that leg, even though um, I didn't let it stop me very often. Um, and well, you'll have to tell me when you did let it stop you, because I was unaware of when it did. <laughs> uh, but I, I have to attribute a lot of it to just my my parents. I mean, I mean you and mom. I, if I had to write a book about the perfect parents, I couldn't change a sentence in it. That's right. Um, and y'all, y'all just really taught me to be kind and respectful to everybody. And, um, I've tried to take that to heart my whole life and people just love the hell out of me. (laughs) (laughs) So you've, you've, so you've had this humble, uh, idea throughout your life until this moment. Well, yeah, I dropped the humble and now it's just (laughs) full on arrogance. I mean, shoot, at some point you got to give yourself credit. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So, so tell me this. So, so you've got, you've got all these friends and, and you hang out with all these folks, right? I mean, these folks that don't have this particular weight on their Mm -hmm. body. Right. And we all know how boys are. Boys are just absolutely insane. They have, they have no governor on the, on the, on the throttle. And they just go, you know, 120 miles an hour all the time. And before we move on too quick, I just thought, Something that it, it might have been is <clears throat> lots of times people are a lot kinder to somebody when they have some sort of disability. Uh, that's a fair point. And not only that, but they initially are kind to me simply because of that. But then as they got to know me lots of the time, they they would see that I wasn't just somebody who had a disability. Right. You know, I... I rock climbing freaking jumping off roofs you know i mean it was hold on careful because i want to talk about that <laughs> i mean I, I was just being insane i was i was i was one of the boys or, yeah or one of the girls sometimes if i was hanging out with my sisters well, you know it's funny i so to start there right i and we'll talk about this later maybe i will maybe i won't well it'll all depend on what you tell me later uh if i can show some pictures on um the website of what we're talking about because it's hard to conceptualize I, right. I, if, if I just heard this, I would go, okay, so he's got a big leg. 
Yeah, but uh, you, that's not exactly what we're saying. What we're saying is, is he had a big leg. Yeah. And and my point is, is that... I'm a quarter giant, quarter elf. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At least, right, I get that. I wonder how much effect having sisters that just didn't give a damn. Yeah. Right? I Like, they didn't treat you... They didn't treat you like you were a little China doll. Yeah. They would kick your ass. Well, I mean, y'all didn't either. I mean, y- not to, I'm not talking bad about y'all, but I mean, y- your attitude was rub some dirt on it. Yeah. My, my dad, he would squeeze lemon into his cuts while all of his friends held, held him down. Get over <laughs> it, you know, kind of thing. Walk it off. And I mean, that's definitely, that's definitely helped me. And it well, did back then too. And, and I'll tell you, it's, it's not, it's none of that. Right. And I think, you know, this, none of that was because we were insensitive to you. It's because we knew the world didn't give a damn. Yeah. I mean, y'all were definitely plenty sensitive to me for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't, I can't count all the nights that I would wake up crying in pain. And when y'all would come running into my room and put me in a bath and give me some pain medicine um, a warm bath helped with my pain for the listeners out there. Um, don't know why. And I mean, y'all, y'all were, y'all were great with me. I mean, I couldn't have picked better parents to raise me with that. Yeah. So, the, so the point is, is that while we may be very sensitive to your needs and the care that you needed, the world would not give a damn. Yeah. Make it or don't live or die, right? Swim or drown. The world doesn't give a damn. They don't care about whether you got a big leg or not. They don't care about any of that. Get it done or don't. And and that was really just kind of the and that was the cool thing about me and mom is that and although I think I have a seriously um a, a really serious sympathy side, I, I do have a lot of sympathy for people. I I just kept thinking to myself one day he won't be our little boy. He's going to be a grown man. And everybody else out there just won't care. They will not give up. They won't. They won't care. They they just don't care. And and it sucks. It breaks my heart that my son has to deal with this. It kills me that 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 he has to to deal with this. But the reality is they don't care. I mean, I kind of, I kind of hesitate when I say this, but I think, I think it's true. And I think that as I get older, um, it'll, it'll become more true to me, um, that it's kind of the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's made me. I think it's made me not only who I am, but it's made me a better person than I would be without it. Hmm. It's cause I'm, I'm sort of a, a somewhat unsympathetic person. Um, I think that's because I've had to deal with what I have and I just, I can't stand people that complain. Um, I, I get that, but <clears throat> as arrogant as I am, it, it really has humbled me and it's, it's taught me that there are times when, you do need to ask for help or you do need to humble yourself and say, okay, I, I cannot do this thing physically. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I have a hard time with that. Hmm. Um, 
and I just always want to get stuff done, get work, work hard, uh, lift heavy weights and carry them across the room. But it's, it's difficult. A lot of things are difficult for me. And if I were to have two normal functioning legs, I think I would be far too arrogant. I would not appreciate the things that I have in my life as much as I do. Mm. And I, I probably wouldn't be as good of a person as I am. Not that I want to say I'm a great person or anything, but I, I think I would be worse. It would enable me to do worse things. Well, and, and, and to be fair, everybody has their own crosses to bear, right? I, you know, a person, a person can have severe disabilities and still be an asshole. Yeah. Right. I, it's, it's, it's all it's, in the attitude. It really is. Like I said in the beginning, you can allow something to make you bitter, angry, and just mean, or it can help to soften you and help you, you know, to, to live life with some gratitude and, and thankfulness and, and to be able to sympathize with others and want to help others because, you know, I know how difficult it's been for me, right? I'm speaking as, as, as for you and we'll get to some of the stuff that you've been doing, um, in that regard. Um, I want to be able to reach out to others who, um, who may need some help and some encouragement. Um, so you can be bitter or you can be happy. It really just kind of, how do you look at the kind of suffering you're going through, right? Is my suffering going to burn me up or is my suffering, you know, going to help me to, to go do something useful and helpful to others in the world? Right. And I think something that's helped mold my, my outlook and my just general perspective on, on things. Well, shoot, before I get into this, I I guess I should just tell everybody that when I was 12, my leg had gotten to the point that I had a knee contracture from my leg being a bit longer than my right leg. Um, so I always had my knee bent while I was walking. I was walking on crutches for a couple of years and I just, I couldn't straighten my leg out. It was 25 pounds from the knee down. It was just a big old painful weight. Well, hold on because as we said in the beginning, your leg continued to grow at the same ratio as you grew. Yeah. I mean, it was huge. And so that's where I was leading before you had friends and you guys would go play and do all these sorts of things. And you wanted to do and did quite honestly, everything everybody else did a little bit slower. I mean, nobody else had to carry around anywhere as you were growing anywhere from a 20 to 25 pound extra extremity Mm -hmm. or, or an extremity on them. Right. And you didn't have crutches. You did. I mean, you were just, you were going and, Climbing fences, jumping off of fences, climbing on a roof, jumping off a roof, playing, you know, sports, blah, 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 whatever it was. You were doing this with an extra 20 to 25, 30 pounds hanging off of your body. 
And again, as a boy, just going 120 miles an hour. I mean, that's always how it was. That's it, what I wanted to do is just go. Just wanted to go. Go, go, go. And and I could tell that, you know, it, it was hard at times because you couldn't be as fast as others. Um, you did everything they did, but you had to find ways to do it. Yeah. I had to adapt. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I guess my point is, is that you could have just went in the house and said, I can't do it. I, I can't do that. But I never, I, I can honestly say this. I've never once during that time did I hear you say, I can't do that. Now, you may have thought it, <laughs> but you never said it. And I never saw you live an I can't do it attitude. You, you always did what, whatever you wanted to do. Yeah. Period. I, I, I can remember mom and I watching you do things from the inside of the house in the window and just like going, Oh, Oh man. Oh my gosh. What is he doing? You know, jumping out of trees. I, because the reality is we didn't know what would happen if you fell on that leg bad. We, we didn't know if one of those pockets would burst open inside your leg and it could poison you. We, we didn't, we just, we were dumb parents. We didn't know. Yeah, I we mean, thought everything could feasibly, this could lead to death. Oh my. And when you got cut on that leg, dude, I, it, it would make us crazy. <laughs> I mean, we wanted to wrap it in like, you know, freaking something impenetrable <laughs> so that it couldn't be hurt. Yeah. Um, but I remember, and I, you know, you would go hunting, you would go skiing. You did all of these things that I do wonder sometimes if people in your situation would have just said, I can't do that. Well, I mean, and your aunt Joyce, by the way, and I want to give a shout out to her. She, I, I don't get the impression that she coddled you either. Absolutely not. That when you went hunting with her, it was like, boy, <laughs> get your ass up and let's go. Yeah, it absolutely was. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I love my Aunt Joyce. I know you do. To death. I know. But she is a hard A <laughs> and she knows it. <laughs> she She's, man, I tell you. I mean, she she's a military tough. woman. Yeah, you she's know? tough. I'm th- I will tell you this. I'm thankful for her. Oh, me too. I think I think she definitely helped in molding me into who she, I am. There is well, listen. There can't be any doubt. She she took you under her wing, and I will forever be grateful to her. I mean, so a lot of the things I know, I only know because of her. Yeah, I would have never known otherwise. And, and the, a lot of the things that you've done, the hunting, the you know. Um, the camping. Yeah, I mean, I've been to New Mexico and been all over Texas to different hunting trips. You traveled with her. Yeah, exactly. I've been to Colorado with her to yeah. volunteer at the YMCA of the Rockies. She is, she has been made an incredible impact on my life yeah. and just shown me a lot of good in the world. Yeah, and a lot of bad. Yeah. But the impact she's had on you is will be forever. Oh, forever. Yeah. Take and, it to my deathbed. And there's bed. probably things that you don't even realize that she impacted you in. It's just now that's just part of your life. Yeah. There's one There's one story I like to tell about my Aunt Joyce. Um, there was one time we were out camping and we were eating sandwiches at a picnic table and I didn't want the bread. 
or no, I I didn't want the rest of it. Basically, how old are you, by the way, at this time? I'm I might have been from like ten to eleven, okay. maybe twelve, and I just I didn't want to eat the rest of the meat. There's too much meat on the sandwich, so I took a couple pieces off, and when she wasn't looking, tossed it on the ground into like all this dirt and leaves. And she looks at me and she goes, "Did you just throw that on the ground?" <laughs> I said, <"Y> "Yes." <laughs> and she looks me dead in my eyes and says, "You pick that up right now and you eat it." <laughs> You bet your ass that I picked that meat up out of the dirt and leaves and I put it in my mouth. That's so funny. That just, just that kind of attitude that she has, that definitely put something into me. Well, you know, the reality is, I mean, she's not going to treat you like some handicapped person. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm just saying that she's treating you like basically, dude, you're my kid and I'm going to train you to act the way and be the way you need to be. Yeah, act accordingly. Yeah, exactly. You respect me. Yes. I, I Listen, I man, I have the utmost respect for her. And I will, again, forever be grateful for her basically making you a second son. I mean, yeah. it's, I, I remember the first time mom came to me and said, Hey, uh, <laughs> Joyce just called and wants to know if Josiah can go deer hunting with them. And dude, I don't know, man. Are you eight? Nine? <laughs> yeah, it was something like that. I mean, I don't even know if you've developed full human consciousness yet. And Joyce is calling and saying, hey, can you go hunting? And, and I'm like, and you know, I just told you, yes, mom and I want you to be tough and in the world and not, you know, show favoritism and blah, 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 even though that is really not possible for us to do. But, but you want to give this kid a gun and hike out into the woods? Dude, we're going to. A, to go and drag a deer out of there rifle in his hand <laughs> in the middle of freaking winter. And he's going to be with somebody else besides us. And I mean, obviously we trust Joyce and, and, and Dwayne and blah, 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 but you're going to be, you know, away from us and out hunting. Yeah. Hours away. Yes. And I just remember when just saying, okay. <laughs> and it, it felt like when you went and hunted and, she sent those pictures back of you over your deer, holding your rifle, you know, down on a knee. I looked like a little bad A. Dude, you little freaking hunter, man. First deer, you know, got a deer his first time walking into the woods. It it was kind of one of those moments, you know, one of those those moments where a parent goes, you know, a new stage begins, mm-hmm. right? Wow. <laughs> Eight or nine-year-old out just going to town with a big old leg. He, I guess he's a hunter now. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's, you know, and again, that's, that's owed to Joyce. I mean, yeah. I, it would have never occurred to me to say, you know what, do I really want to take him out in the woods? And I mean, golly, what if something happens to his leg? You know, how do we help it? She's just like, Hey, let's go hunting. And then how we'll many trips did you go to. on with her? You, it was a bunch. I mean, like I've, lo- I've lost count of them. Um, I mean, I never really kept count of them, but I mean, it'd have to be 20 or over that. Yeah. And then, and not only hunting, I mean, you tr- did some we, just we, traveling with them. Yeah. I mean, we, we went on trips to Colorado. Um, I've been on lots of fishing trips with them. Yeah. Just 
gone out and stayed with them for a little while. Yeah. I mean, all sorts of stuff. It's, it's awesome. Well, and, and one, I appreciate her loving you. And two, I really appreciate that she didn't coddle you. No. I, I just couldn't take it. I can't take it when people coddle people. And there are people who coddle you even to this day that it makes me insane. <laughs> and they've done it since you were a baby. And I can't take it. Because that's not reality. I, I'm not suggesting that we don't show love and respect and you know, and, and be and be compassionate and gentle when it's time to be that. It's sort of like meet the Fockers. Don't don't talk to him like he's a baby. He's a person. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like he's he's a man. He's a boy. Just talk to him like he's a boy. Anyway, so anyway, my point is is that throughout your whole childhood, you're having to drag this leg around that is super heavy. That it's you know trying to do all the things that you do with all your friends and and doing them just again slower. And it's causing a lot of pain. Yeah. Right? Pain while you're doing it and then significant pain at night as that lymph fluid starts pooling up again in your leg. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so now the doctors, first off, hold on, sorry. One last thing. The doctors had always told us, it had always been an option. They said there's always an option of we can remove the leg. Really? Right. Oh, Yeah. Oh, that's a surprise, but the the thing that the doctor said to mom at the thing's not a surprise. I didn't know that. Yeah, the doctors had always told us that, uh, one, there could always be multiple surgeries to remove, you know, venous clumps and I knew that clumps one. and all that. But he said there's always the option of, at some point, removing the leg. I didn't know that. Yeah, but he did tell us, he said, you should never make that decision for your child he should always and only be the one that makes the decision because there's no going back. I mean, that's, that's like, there's no, there's no going back and putting that on. Wait, can we put it back on? Yeah. There, you don't, <laughs> this ain't a vasectomy. You can't reverse that. This is, this is the end, right? You can laser off tattoos. You can do a lot of stuff, but you can't put that leg back on. Yeah. So you didn't know that. So I, no, I didn't. Oh, well, I just go. remember now you know. sitting in my room one time and I feel like I earlier that week, earlier that day had seen somebody or in a movie, somebody with a prosthetic on mm-hmm. and I was laying there in my race car bed at 12 years old. And in my head, I just started imagining a dude with a robot leg that shoots rockets out of it and did has, has did, a booster on it. Did, did any of your, <coughs> sorry. Did any of your previous surgeries, which you did have, by the way, have any effect on your decision-making? Right, because we had to go to the Mayo Clinic, and you had a couple of surgeries up there um, to remove your jiggly thing. I mean, I I don't feel like that was what influenced my decision. Um, maybe, I, honestly, man, I was just tired of dealing with it. It yeah. was just... It was such a pain, not just painful, but just it was in my way constantly, no matter what I wanted to do. I mean, whether I wanted to go to sleep, I had to stack two, three pillows underneath it. Whether I wanted to get up out of bed, I had to lift it up off. I mean, anything, man, no matter what I wanted to do, it was super tender. 
And I was just, I was tired of it. I didn't want to keep having surgeries to get more things removed and just eventually have either a bunch of health problems because of having so many surgeries um, or anything like that. So I, I was sitting in my bed and I just thought, man, what if I just get rid of this thing? There's not going to be a cure. Can't yeah, that's just, the can't just thing, reverse right? There's it. no cure. Can't just reverse that, you know? And so I walk into the kitchen, I'm pretty sure, in the old Forney house in Chestnut Meadows. Hmm. And I I walk up to y'all in the kitchen to say, hey, what if I just get my leg cut off? And y'all told me, well, if you really want to do that, that can be your decision, but we're not going to make it for you because we don't want you to blame us. And I mean, there wasn't a second thought in my head. It was just, all right, I mean, let's do it then. Hmm. Yeah. We, I, I think mom and I always knew that would happen. It was just really a question of when. I, I don't think either of us ever thought, and, and, and here's a couple of reasons why. One reason why is you were stupid active. I mean, like, you know, it's not like you were one of those kids that just sat around and, you know, ate, you know, Cheetos and watched, you know, TV all the time. I mean, you did your share of that, but for the most part, you were always super active. Um, again, things like hunting, traveling, fishing, um, you know, playing different sports. Um, I, you, there were these, there were these things that you did that this thing was a lit, a literal weight holding you back. I mean, it was like I was doing them all with 15 ankle weights on my, yeah, it's like when leg. I go walk and I put on a weight vest mm-hmm. Except you had one hanging off your left hip. Yeah, exactly. Right? And I think mom and I always knew, but we always heard that doctor in our head saying, that has to be his decision because there's no walking that back. That is, a, there's, some, there's finality to that. So I think we always expected it. Um, but, you know, it was, oh, man, that's, and that's that's life changing there, bro. Yeah, it is. I I mean I haven't regretted it yet. Was that you didn't you and mom didn't y'all watch a bunch of videos about it pre surgery? Because you guys are sick like that. Yeah, so I, I remember after we had actually went to the doctors and talked to them about it and kinda finalized everything, told them, you know, this is what we want to do. Doctors asked me if I was really sure and I was I was really sure. Um we set the date for it, and <laughs> I was just Googling random stuff about amputations, and mom had made some really good enchiladas. So, so ridiculous. I called her into your office and told her, hey, you want to sit down and watch this video of an amputation while we eat? <laughs> And, uh, man, that's one of my favorite memories. Y'all are freaks. We sat down and watched an entire video of an amputation while we were munching down on these nasty-looking enchiladas, but they were delicious. And uh, and we just we loved it. I mean, it was interesting. Something wrong with you. <laughs> did, did you find that watching that, I mean, was it helpful, not helpful? Was it just benign? I mean, like, did it have any weight or bearing on your decision? <clears throat> 
I mean, I've always been a realist for the most part. I mean, I like to call myself that. I, but, uh, so I feel like it probably did help to a degree. Um, just because I like, I like to see how things work. I like to see what's happening. I, I, even at, at that young, I felt like I had a pretty good understanding of, you know, what was going to happen Mm. and the reality of the situation. Mm. Um, so to a degree, I, I think it did help because I mean, it helped inform me, you know, this is really happening. Yeah. So you have the surgery. Yep. You have your left leg removed. Above the knee. Above the knee. About. Right. Well, I probably had it about six inches above the knee, five, six inches. Yeah. And I just remember waking up from the surgery and I was real groggy and all up on some drugs. And Drugs were involved. A whole lot of them. I felt a lot of them. They had a, what is that thing in the spine? An epidermis? Yeah, epidural. <laughs> I think epidermis That's is That's a part skin. of the body. Yeah, it's skin. Yeah, yeah. Epidural. Um, <laughs> the epidural. So Nobody I ever mean, said that your goal was to be an educator. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, so I was numb from the waist down, but I wake up. And I still feel my leg there Hmm. and I'm covered up with all sorts of blankets. Um, and I wake up and I just look around the room and I say, did they do it? (laughs) That was one of the chicken out. That was one of the first things I said, did they not do it? And I mean, I really didn't believe that they did. I had to take all of the blankets off of me and, and look at it to believe it because Hmm. I guess I didn't realize just how much it was going to feel like it's really there. Mm. I mean, even to this day, sitting here, in my mind, my leg's there, you mm. know? Um, Eight years. It's crazy. I remember when you told me a few days ago that you still have phantom pains. Yeah. Eight years later. Yeah. I, I just can't wrap my brain around that. I mean, I, I think that that's going to be lifelong. Maybe. Um. But yeah, they sure enough did it. It was indeed gone. Um, I had to stay in bed for a couple of days. But I remember the first time that they allowed me to get up and and stand. It felt like I was on the freaking moon. I felt like I had just lost 100 pounds overnight and I could just jump up and touch the ceiling. You had to I mean, have felt, I felt so light. Yeah, I was going to say you had to felt like you might just actually float off the ground. It was incredible. It was one of the weirdest feelings I've ever had. It's like the first time I ever put on a new pair of shoes and I thought I was walking on clouds. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was crazy. It was, it was really incredible. Um, and just sort of to attest to my personality a bit, uh, my attitude. I was so freaking angry that they wouldn't let me start walking on crutches Hmm. for like another day after I stood up, Hmm. they let me stand up and then they're like, okay, now sit back down. Hmm. I didn't want to. I said, no, give me, give me some crutches. I want to go move around. You know, do you remember why though? Does, does any of that still register? Cause you were hooked up to a pump. 
right? A wound pump. Yeah. You had a wound pump on. If you fell and hit your leg, you know, it, you know, again, to remind everybody, there's no cure for what you had. The only thing that happened here was you had a significant portion of your leg removed and you'd already had your jiggly thing taken off. Yeah. I mean, I'm affected up into my buttocks. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't gone. It's still not gone. Right. Um, but the, the largely effective portion is. Yeah. You drop, you dropped about 50 pounds, like in six hours. And I mean, if you, if you throw up any pictures on your website, they'll see what you're, what you're talking about. Um, but man, I just, I knew I wasn't going to fall. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I get that. I had complete confidence in myself. I always did. Uh, you know, that stuff just never bothered me. Let me move. Yeah. And, uh, for the first time. Yeah. Right. Unhindered. They wouldn't let me. So, but eventually they did. And it was awesome. It was great. I was just walking on a pair of crutches and I was like, wow, this is the best thing that's ever freaking happened to me. So once you did start moving, once you were able to move about the cabin freely, right? Right. Like what are like some of the thoughts that are going through your head? I mean, like, I have to assume you have these feelings of I once had chains on me. And now they've been busted off. Yeah, I mean, or maybe not. Maybe you had other thoughts. What did you? What were you going through your head? I don't want to brag about myself too much, but even at twelve years old, I I feel like I knew the gravity of the situation, and I realized I would. A lot of the thoughts that were going through my head was, "This is going to be really difficult." You know, like this is going to be hard. But because, I mean, I was thinking that before I had this surgery, you know, Mm -hmm. this is going to be hard after I have it. But my hope is that in the end, I won't regret it simply because of the fact that I basically had a peg leg made out of lead, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that constantly hurt me. And one of my, one of my main thoughts after I got out of the surgery was, I hope that this, I thought this is awesome. This is great. I can finally move around. You know, all the things you said, I felt like I was free from change or chains. Um, but I really hope that it was going to stop my pain. Hmm. I mean, was all right. So hold on. If you had to put a percentage on it, 50%, 50%, it was the size and weight of the leg, or in 50%, the pain that I'm in damn near all the time. What drove you to the surgery most, like if you did that? I would say it was 60% the pain. 60%, not yeah, more. It, 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 was, it was more the pain than the weight, honestly. Um, I, I don't – I'm glad I had it anyway nowadays – um, even though the pain definitely didn't go away. Um, if anything, it got worse. Hold on. The pain got worse after the surgery. Um, not like the Clippolchanane pain, hmm. but like phantom limb pain. It is. Oh my gosh. It's like pain from the fourth dimension. Really? It's, it's unbearable. It's, it's insane. It is insane pain. Um, I don't regret it at all. 
you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm rid of that weight nowadays. I'm glad I got rid of it for the weight. Hmm. Um, but back then I, I really thought it was going to rid me of all the pain I was in and I mean, all of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I knew there was going to be some like, uh, some just stump pain from, you know, having a leg cut off. Right. But I, I thought I was not going to hurt anymore. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't it. I mean, even sometimes in my stump, because it still has the KT in it, KT is short for Klippachani. Um, it still hurts sometimes. Hmm. But now, nowadays, when I get the KT hurt in my stump, it's just, I realize now that pain wasn't anything compared to the, the pain I have now. Wow. I, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. Well, and surgery is probably not done. Right. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure I mean, you've had since that surgery. You had uh, bone spur. Well, yeah. So surgeries. So I'll get into that. I mean, I don't wear a prosthetic. You tried. Um, after I first had the surgery, I had gotten fit for one. I had great prosthetists. They they really tried to help me out. Um. But two things. And I need to point out, I have like the perfect set of issues for someone to not be able to wear a prosthetic. Um, well, I guess three. One, I get blood clots very easily in my KT affected area. Two, I get infections very easily in my KT affected area. And three, the tissue there is like jello. Super soft. I mean, it's like... It doesn't get tough. Grab a boob, and you know what my stump feels like, <laughs> honestly. Hang on, hang on, babe. We come here a minute. I need to see what his stump feels like. Never mind. Sorry. I mean, I mean, honestly, it's it's like that. Um, and I got fit for a prosthetic. Was wearing one, going to physical therapy to try and um, walk on it. But there was just this constant pain in the tip of my stump. Um, so we tried to ward that off by putting more weight of my body on my tailbone or my butt bone so that the weight was being taken off the tip. And after walking on that for a week or two, I started developing blood clots where the weight was. And so that wasn't going to work. Then we tried putting some padding around the tip and walking like that. It was painful, but it worked for a little bit. And then eventually it just got to the point where I was, I was walking on that and the tip was rubbing up against my skin so much that it poked through the tip my skin. by, by that the tip of the my bone. bone. Yeah. The, the bone. tip of my bone was, yeah. was rubbing up the, the, just the edge of my, my epidermis. Yeah. Well, and the reality <laughs> right. is normally they would, when they do a surgery like that, they would wrap, they would take a muscle, right? They would take your muscle and wrap it around the end of your, your, the well, bone. They, they said that they did. Yeah. But it, it, again, everything has to be taken in the context of KT. Yeah. Right. They, Nothing s- in they that said that they was right. They said that they did, but the problem is I didn't have a lot of muscle in it. Right. Because I never used Cause it. I didn't use it. Right. And the tissue that they also pulled over it was, I mean, it was jello. Yeah. The, the way I try and describe it to people, um, 
is imagine a balloon hmm. filled with jello. Hmm. Now put a stick in it. Right. And now try and press down on that stick and support that balloon somehow. Yeah. You can't. Right. It's just going to poke Without through the Without the stick end. going through. Yeah, it's just going to stab right through the end of that right. balloon. Um, and that's just the reality of it for me right now. Yeah. Um, prosthetic technology, it's always advancing, and I try my best to keep up with it. But well, it's crazy. There's, there's nothing really for me to do right now. And, and people will say, you know, oh, well, you can get a screw put into the end of your stump, and it pokes through your skin, and you can just... It, you're just supported by your bone, but I can't do that because I get infections like mm. crazy easy, and that's well because people don't understand the the inner the um, the lymphatic um, condition, right? Yeah, I, that, I mean that's what a fights small off infection, infection. A small infection gets into that, and it just pools and spreads. The lymph the lymph system absolutely does not work, right? It doesn't <laughs> get rid of infection. It it just sits there. And yeah. then it spreads, which we've had to deal with that a number of times. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've had cellulitis right. multiple times. Oh, my gosh. And that, that's scary stuff. I didn't... Back then when I had it, I didn't realize what it was. Y'all just told me, hey, you've got cellulitis. Right. But not until mom was talking to me about it like two weeks ago did I realize I could have died. Yeah. Like that legitimately could have ended my life. The first time we went life. to the Mayo Clinic to have that... that basketball on the inside of your leg removed when we got there they noticed um a spot on your leg yeah i remember them circling that with yeah with and watched Sharpie. it grow outside of it and what you you, sh- you were supposed to be there like uh two or three days Hold and we on. ended up being there a week craziest thing i remember about that is <laughs> see this just tells you sort of my attitude about all this i kind of found it a fun game when <laughs> when they circled around that that red spot on my leg i kind of hoped that it would go outside of the red the the circle because i thought it'd be cool i was like oh i can watch this move on me mm. you know i mean i just i was a completely stupid kid we ignorant you didn't know any better <laughs> but uh you didn't know this disease was trying to eat you yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> i didn't realize i was near death um so so, all right. So let's let's uh, let's keep moving forward. So you have the surgery. Obviously, some of your hopes and desires that the surgery would take care of didn't come to fruition. Yeah. Overall, I I think you said you would do it again. Oh yeah, in if, a second. if you could, right? If not earlier, right? So how did how did having the surgery? I mean, you're 12 years old, so I, I, I'm cautious about even asking you, what did you think at 12 years old life was going to be like if you had this leg for the rest of your life? Because I'm not sure that, again, I'm not sure that you can really do that. But did you ever have thoughts like that? Oh, I mean, damn. I mean, is this it? Is this life for the rest of my life? I mean, yeah. There were, there were certain times when I would think like, man, when I'm, when I'm an adult and I'm move out, you know, kind of thing. Hmm. Am I going to be able to, you know, hmm. like, will I physically be able to support myself and be an active member of society on my own, you know? Yeah. And maybe it wasn't as, as deep of a thought like that, but, um, something like it for sure. And I really didn't know at that point. I wasn't sure. 
See, I would be curious if it would just be more of a frustrating as opposed to a life plan kind of thought as mo- as much as, gosh, this is really hard. I'm dragging this weight around all my all the time. Yeah, is I that just, just my lot in life. It, this is never going away. Yeah, like I would think about, man, if I ever have to go grocery shopping for myself, mm. <laughs> I don't want to be. I'm going to have to be sitting on the floor in the grocery store when I'm freaking 30 years old. Because that was, again, you know, there's parts that you can't tell a whole story in an hour and a half or two hours, but you did that. When you would go to grocery shopping with mom, you had to sit on the floor roughly half the time. Yeah. Intermittently, you'd have to sit on the floor because your leg would hurt. You'd have to pull your leg up and, 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 and elevate it. And while y'all were... Y'all were extremely understanding. I'm sure that that was frustrating for y'all at some yes, point. There's no doubt. <laughs> yeah, don't I? I mean, never lose sight of the fact that we loved and it hurt. And but there were times where you're like, you know, if you, especially if you're in a hurry, you know, we need to get in and get out and do something or whatever. It was like that's not a reality. But having said that. There's also this reflection as he's probably thinking the same thing. I, I can do anything you want to do, but I have to do it slower. It's going to get done. <laughs> I, I promise you I will go down trying. It will get done, but it's just going to be slower. And, and I knew it, there are times where a parent looks in their child's eye and they see that something's hurting and I don't mean physically like mentally, psychologically, something is causing them pain. And there were times where I could look in your eyes and I know mom had the same thing where they could, we could see that, man, this has got to be just a kick in the balls. I mean, he, this is just, you can see that it's, it's discouraging him. But having said that, you know, this is that passive kind of suffering I'm talking about in episode two that I mentioned that it's the kind of suffering that happens to someone. It's not where you actively go looking to, to suffer in order to, to get something. This is something that happens to somebody. You don't wish this on people. But one of the things I, I never, at least I never saw, I never saw you give up. I never saw you look at it and go, can't do it. I'll just quit. It was always like one of the things that was that would get frustrating for me is is that all of the different ways you would attack angles that you would attack in order to not give up. Yeah. I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's got to be so frustrating." And I mean, that's that's been a quality that I've had to carry on, carry on. Well, you don't have a choice. Um in in working now. Yeah. Um I mean <clears throat> Back when I worked at Costco, you know, I mean, <laughs> I was pushing 15 carts at a time up a up a hill in the parking lot. In the middle of summer. In the middle of 110 degrees summer. Yeah. You know, um, and I would, I'll try and describe it for the people out there. I would hook all these carts up together and then put my chest on the handlebars of the back one and just walk on my crutches and push it along with my chest and sort of steer it with that. I mean, it was hard work. I mean, that might've been the fittest I've ever been at that point. Um, but I mean, I just, I wanted to work hard, get it done and, and prove to the people around me. Just be equal. Yeah. Just prove to the people around me. You know what? 
I can do what you do, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Like there were a few things in at Costco that was like, like picking up a hundred pound couch and or chair and bringing it to the front of the store, you know? Right. I mean, there were a few things that like, right. Hey, I, I can't do that. Or if right. I had to, if I did have to do that, whereas one of the guys could just grab it with two hands and walk it to the front, I would have to bring like a flat cart. Right. Um, but I don't know. Well, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous in my mind for someone to not have an arm, not have a leg to, you know, whatever a major component of a machine is missing. You can't expect that machine to be able to do every single thing exactly the same way as a machine that's not missing that major component. But having said that, there are ways for that machine that's missing a component to likely do it, but it will have to be done differently. It'll have to be done in a way that that machine wasn't necessarily made to do it. Yeah, sometimes you can replace that part with a little bit of duct tape. Yeah, exactly. And my crutches right. are my duct tape. Right, <laughs> exactly. And my, uh, my wit. Right, yeah. So, Stupid right. like a fox. So I remember after this... Um, there are a couple of things I want to touch on because I thought it was really cool. One of the things that you really got into was rock climbing. Right. We did a lot of that. I can remember taking you to that rock climbing place over in Garland, uh, Fridays and Saturdays, and you do rock climbing. That was cool. One of the things that I remember also is uh, two things. Um, I remember going to track meets, going to some track meets hmm. um, for like amputee track meets, yeah. right? And there were some kids there that, I like literally they had been doing this like their whole life and like they had all the cool equipment, like those, uh, like there was this one double amputee who had those, uh, the blade legs, yeah, the blade legs that like he could run like the wind right on those blade legs. But I remember <laughs> it was your first one. You'd never even done these things before. You just walked out there like, you know, Joe blow walking out to attract me and going, okay, what are we doing? And I remember, the first thing we did was they did like this 100-yard sprint around the curve, something like that. And I remember watching you. You had crutches, and, every, you know, this one kid, Blade Runner, was out there, you know, just smoking everybody. And I remember watching you and, I, and thinking, because you looked gassed. Yeah. You got your ass kicked. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, what is this doing to his psyche right now? <laughs> but then we went to the long jump, the high jump, the discus, and the javelin. And you won all those. Yeah, I just smoked everybody. And, and I remember Blade Runner kid at the uh, high jump. He had all the cool high jump double amputee gear. And his mom and dad, you could tell they were super serious, right? Like this, like this is college stuff. We're, you know, these are 12 and 13, 14-year-olds. And they're like, we're preparing for college. He's going to go as a high jumper or whatever. And, and he's like using his cool high jumping legs to, to do high jump and he keeps knocking the bar down and you set your crutches down one leg in it. You go hopping like Peter rabbit up to this bar <laughs> and just clear it and win the high jump. And I just remember thinking, and then we go to the javelin and you're like, how do I throw this thing? And you know, <laughs> like the guy shows you, here's how you grip it. You walk up there, you throw it, you win the javelin. Then you go to the shot put, win the shot put. 
I don't think you won the long jump. Did you? I don't think you I did. I feel like the only thing I lost was the the sprint. Was it? Okay, if, well maybe so. If I'm if I'm uh, right. So like all of the field events, high jump, javelin, shot, long the jump. The things that matter. Right, the strength events. <laughs> you won those. And then we went to a weightlifting competition where you're basically competing with grown men. Yeah. And you lifted like, what was it, 30 or 40% over your body weight? Yeah, I think at that point I was like 120, maybe 125. And I, I think I benched 170. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was significantly over your body weight. And you actually won your age division. And I think you I came got in third place. You came in third place Out of overall. Everybody. Yeah, because of the percentage of bo- over body weight that you lifted. And I was, I was competing against dudes that were. Only upper bodies, yeah, you know, that, well, I, I mean, like it was other people with disabilities, right. you know, that it was a lot of, uh, paraplegics. Yeah. Um, but dude, they look people, like freaking Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. From I mean, they, they were in wheelchairs. Their legs were like, like sticks. Right. I don't mean that to be offensive no, to anybody, but it was. Um, and so their body weight was, was super low. All that was counting against them was their upper body. Waist up. And they were massive they guys. They were swole. They were swole. And I got third place out of all of them, man. I mean, yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that you lifted more weight than them. No, I didn't. These dudes were, these dudes were benching like 350, 380. I just mean it was a pretty fair competition based yeah, off The way that they weight. ran it is you had to lift percentages of body weight. And the winners were whoever lifted the greater percentage over their body weight. And you came in third overall and obviously won your weight or your – your age division. Although I don't, I think there maybe have only been one or one other person in your yeah, age Yeah, I think division. there was only one other person. But it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was sweet. And I say all that to say this, and I bring up this, right? It doesn't mean that you don't have down times. It doesn't mean that life probably, you, it doesn't mean that sometimes you don't think that maybe you got a shitty deal in life. Oh, no. I think that pretty often. Yeah. I, I It has to. How does a person not, right? And maybe sometimes in your private alone moments in the, you know, in the, some areas of your mind, you know, it just, I I can't imagine it must suck sometimes, but here's, here's what, here's what I want to say. You have suffered your whole life and it's not the suffering. The suffering I'm talking about is not active suffering. Although you've done that as well. You've gone out and you've endured some suffering that you've chosen to do, that you, in, that you actively engaged in in order to Hoping achieve something. Hoping for some goal. Right. To achieve something, right? I, I think of the track meet. I think of the weightlifting. I think of the rock climbing. I think of going hunting. I mean, these are things that I take for granted, that I can just walk in and do and don't have to think twice about it. Whereas you have to plan for those things in a different way because – you live in a world of two-legged people that's the norm and everything's kind of built for that and everything's kind of leaning in that direction whereas you kind of have you go in and you're having to think of I have to think of ways to adapt I think to use your word yeah right so you actively engage in that suffering and suffering again let me just remind everybody suffering doesn't mean you're getting your ass kicked or you're having lashes on your back it means that that you are doing something that hurts that you're actively engaging in it and you're doing things that are hard that maybe you don't necessarily want to do in order to achieve something. Glory, right? So you've done those things. I mean, you do them all the time. Yeah. But the one that I'm specifically 
and that we're specifically talking about today is the passive suffering, that you were born with something that obviously you didn't choose to actively participate in, and you've, 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 you've suffered at its hands your whole life, and you will the rest of your life Absolutely. to some degree. But I've not yet seen it debilitate you. As a matter of fact, it seems to be having the opposite effect on you, that, that you're, you're not letting it keep you from moving on with your life and, and excelling. It's in almost life. like my own personal motivator. Yeah. You know, um, I have some sort of something in my brain that just makes me want to show myself off to people in some way, shape, or form. I don't know if show off is the best way to, to put it, but... Um, Probably not. Maybe be a, a, an example. Yeah, an example An example is a good one. And I like you bringing that up, an example. Like, <clears throat> I, I don't have... A, a handicap sticker on my car never have you know um i i don't cut to the front of lines at six flags because i have a handicap you know um i don't ask for any sort of special treatment um from from anybody and i i don't i'm not on on welfare i don't get disability um and you know i there have been times when I've I've thought about doing some of those things and times when I've even um th- there was a time just recently when I started to try and get disability but I I decided against it um but I do that to try and be an example to people showing them that just because you can make things easier for yourself doesn't mean that you should yeah. Well, so let's talk about this real quick because we're, we're at an hour and a half and I, I know that I can bore people to death. Let me ask you this. So you've gone and participated in these various camps. Yeah, I did right? bring that Amputee up. Amputee camp, um, um, going up. Colorado, the ski camp. The, the ski camp, um, all of these various things, right, that are, that are dedicated to amputees, kids. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you started doing these things when you were when Thir- you were a kid. 13, I believe, is my first year going to amputee camp. Was it? I thought it was earlier than that. Okay, well, cool. No, I got my well, leg amputated right. when you I was 12. Your leg cut off at 12. So, um, so now you're going back again this year as a counselor. Yeah. Uh, last year was my first year as a counselor. Um, this will be my second. Um. I so mean, why are you why are you doing that? <clears throat> I mean, I'm sure there's some fun to it. I'm sure there's there's a measure of fun. Yeah, I mean, but why else do you do it? Back when I first went, when I was about 13 years old, I believe, um, I had just this awesome counselor, and all the counselors there are amputees as well. Um, he was this really nice guy named Taylor. Um, I thought he was the coolest guy in the world. Um, and none of us, well, none of us there see each other as amputees. You know what I mean? As, as much as other people see us that way. Um, and so we're, we're able to connect with each other in, in a kind of different way. Um, 
I wasn't looking at him as an inspiration because he was an amputee. I was looking at him as this guy is real with me. He doesn't, he doesn't coddle me in any sort of way. He just talks to me like I'm a friend. Like, yeah, I mean, that's exactly how it is. I mean, it's, it's, I think I remember the first year I, I came back from camp, I said, man, it was crazy. Nobody tried to hold doors open for me. It still does to a degree. Like if I try and open a door for somebody and hold it open, no matter who it is, they're like, oh, let me get that for you. Listen, I opened it and said, go ahead. I can do this, you know, kind of thing. But I just thought he was the coolest guy in the world. He He listened to cool music. He was really nice to us all. He... He was really friendly, was really encouraging when we needed it, but was was stern when when we he needed to be, you know. He was he was a nice guy and gave me a really great camp experience, made it fun for me. Um and I think that that encouraged me a lot as a kid and I mean this will be my 7th or 8th year going. Um this is in six, Ohio, right? This is the one in Ohio. Yeah. Uh 5 or 6 of those years I spent as a camper and I mean that I have a second family there. It's and it's it's a different kind of community. Um where and it, it's so weird to talk about, but it we are the normal ones there. Yeah. Like the the people that work on the campgrounds um <laughs> this may sound mean, but we make fun of them for having four limbs, you know? <laughs> and Yeah, and I mean we don't make fun of them like in being a bully way, but like it's all good fun. We love them there. This is not a camp for people who just have one leg missing. No, I mean I I know plenty of people who have no limbs or one arm or one leg. I mean it's it's for anybody. I mean, there was a guy that came who was missing like half of his hand. Um, it's it's just it's a it's a camp and a support group, you know. Um, and I've talked to a lot of people outside of the camp who talk about how when they lost their limb, they wish that they had some sort of support group or a group where they could have gotten information from, yeah. because that's something that the camp did for me. That we have. Uh, sit down sessions where you get to talk to some of the counselors or some of the older people that are there who have been living with these things for a while and just get information, get, get names and numbers from them of people that you can contact or groups that you can be a part of too, because there's not, it's hard to find information out there about what to do once you lose a limb, you know, who do I go to? What do I, what do I do now? You know? Mm-hmm. Right, your your friends at home. You love them; they love you. But there is something different. It's incredibly different. That sucks. I didn't have my mic on. <laughs> Shit. Um. So, let me repeat that. There, I have no doubts that you love your friends here at home. That they love you. But there's there's something that they never 
ever will be able to relate to. They just they they just can't because they they there are some things you have to experience in order to be able to be relatable and to be to be able to go to this camp with those folks that that you've met over the years. There has to be some comfort level and encouragement level to know that I can say whatever I need to say to you. You know what I mean. Yeah, and I'm not alone. I mean, that's that's sort of what I was getting at. I mean. The friends that I have here, they're they're absolutely great, and I have no disdain for from for them um, because they don't understand. But there are things that they do not. They get me in lots of other ways, sure, things that they can. Um, but there's a reason I call the people at that camp my second family. Yeah, and it's because we kind of all are, we, we all get something about each other that no one else does. Right. And it's, I mean, it's awesome. And a lot of the reason that I want to go back to the camp, I want to be a counselor there for as long as I can be. Um, and one of the reasons why is because that, that experience that I got from it, um, from the counselor that the the many counselors that, um, I had when I was at the camp, they gave me a lot of confidence and a really good time. Um, and it's, it's like they're another parental figure. Yeah. Um, that, that understands something about you. Yeah. That, I can that, never, that, and mom never will be able to, no offense to you, but you don't, no, you know, I, listen, that makes sense. And I, last year was such an amazing experience being a, a counselor there. Because I got to be that for other kids. Yeah. And I, I never in my life thought I would enjoy something like that. Um, but it was, it was amazing. It really opened my eyes to, to something just profound. You know, it's, mm. it's amazing to see the, the joy in these kids eyes being around other people, adults, people that they can look up to that are like them. Mm-hmm. And it, it gives them a lot of confidence and it's awesome. So, so you've done skiing. Yeah. You skied, um, rock climbing, mountain climbing. You've done all these various things. So kind of moving toward the end, what, what's some of the plans you have coming up right now? I know that you, you just mentioned you're going to Ohio to the amputee camp to be a counselor. Yes, sir. You, it looks like. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Fingers, toes, eyes. Um, you're going to go work at. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to go and work at um, the YMCA of the Rockies up in Colorado um, at Snow Mountain. They have a really cool program there where you can work there full time and you get free room and board. Um, and then like once a week, maybe more than that, you get a free pass to winter park and just get to do whatever you want there. And, and winter park is winter park. It's, it's like a ski resort. Um, well it is a ski resort, a really awesome one. I've skied there before. And after my first time skiing, I just realized, man, that is the most fun I'm ever going to have on doing anything in my life. Um, and so right now I'm trying to get back out there, um, 
get into skiing. I know a couple people who have been in the Paralympics. Um, I've skied with some Paralympic Paralympians before and I mean, well, I, and the reality I is, keep up with them. Well, and the reality is, and it's that, just, it's fun that Colorado, this is my humble opinion. You may not think this at all, but because I know your personality and what you're like, you're a very outdoors person. You, you, you don't like sitting. You don't like just doing nothing. You love being out and about Colorado offers all of that. Those I mean, things that's that how you the, love. That's how the people are there. Right. People move there for that. Yeah, exactly. That's who they are. And, and, you know, being at the YMCA camp and being able to, you know, work there and then be literally, what is it? 10 like, miles away. It's like 45 minute drive. Yeah. It's not far. Be right down the road from where you've spent a lot of time skiing and doing all those things. It seems like a natural kind of progression yeah i mean it just makes sense i've volunteered up there before like like we were talking about earlier with joyce i went up there for like a month or two and volunteered when i was like 16 17 so i've been there before and it's a great environment man yeah i mean you've been there it's it's awesome yeah i it's it's incredible i i would love to get back up there soon so you're 20 years old i don't I don't kid myself thinking you know what your life plan is. Hmm. I, I certainly didn't. I, I Quite honestly, I'm not sure I did uh, when I was 26 when I got married. Um, but if you had a magic ball, if you had a crystal ball that you could look into, what are some of the things that you would like to do? Um, well, I... I'd like to be the Tiger Woods of skiing <laughs> without all the controversy. Would you? The old Tiger Woods of skiing. Um, but that's a that's like, again, if I had a magic ball or whatever you said. Um, other than that, man, I, I'm really into just metalworking, blacksmithing, making stuff. I'd love to have a shop that I could just do random things in, um, maybe sell pieces, you know, things like that. Um, other than that, I'm just trying to get out there, just trying to figure it out. I got to dip my toes into more things. I feel like I haven't had enough experiences and well, you're 20. Yeah, exactly. I'm not trying to get tied down with anything just yet, you know? Well, this has been cool, bro. Yeah, it has. I, I really appreciate it. I love you, man. I love you, man. I really do. Look into my eyes. Can you see it? The love? Yes. I feel it. Cool. So I, before we go, though, I want to encourage <laughs> some folks. Uh, my wife was kind enough to do some research. Um, I want to encourage um, anybody who listens to this um, to um, encourage. I want to encourage you to support uh, the Amputee Coalition of America and Scottish Rite, both of those organizations um, have been the biggest blessing that that I can think of um, to you. Just an incredible impact on my life and so many other people's. It's, um, it's incredible. I, I'm probably going to say some of these names wrong and I apologize, uh, but I will put all of these 
the names of these organizations and their websites on the show notes. Um, but I want to throw out a couple of, uh, um, names, three or four names, um, for you to look into, um, especially because I'm going to tag, um, this particular show, um, with amputee. Um, so I'm hoping that, uh, if, if you don't know of these organizations that you can become familiar with them. One is the Patty Rossbuck, Rossbuck youth camp. Um, there's no charge to you to participate in that youth camp. Um, Scottish Rite hospital, which is just, um, a complete blessing uh, to folks with um, uh, special needs. Um, the annual uh, amputee uh, ski trip um, that teams up with American Airlines. Um, also want to mention uh, Winter Park, Colorado, the National Sports Center for the Disabled. Um, these are all organizations um, that certainly deserve um a huge round of applause and many thanks from families like ours and across this country and around the world that do such great work um, in helping and encouraging um, folks with needs. Um, and I look forward to you doing more work with them. Um, yeah. Um, you know, we started off this show talking about um, how, I, at least from my perspective, I've seen how people are attracted to you. Um, and how you tend to have this very encouraging and helping nature about you. I can see how, and, and I'm certainly not putting pressure on you to do anything. You do whatever you want to with your life. But I'm saying that it 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 would be sad that if that group of people lost someone um, that is so good with them. Yeah, at, at some point, um, I think it'd be awesome to either get into uh, adaptive skiing, uh, teaching, helping people learn how to do that or working with the amputee coalition, um, and, and helping create, uh, things and events that would help, um, encourage and inspire, uh, the youth that, that have to go through similar things or even older people who, um, are just now having to deal with it. Yeah. Well, I've seen you get your glory through active suffering, suffering that you're willing to take on, that you're willing to involve yourself in and actively participate in. But I've also seen you take a passive suffering, a very hard one and not let it defeat you and still get up and move toward the glory you want in your life, the things that you want, the way you want to succeed. And I can honestly say you're, you truly are. And I don't say this just because you're my son. I say this because you do inspire me in so many ways. Um, I appreciate that. And so I love you, man. I love you too. You're my boy blue. (laughs) That's never going away. Just (laughs) lean into it. I love it. All right, everybody. I want the world to suffer. Say it with me. Suffer first. Suffer. See you later. Peace out. Peace.